Shalom, and welcome to the Segula Discussion Podcast, the show where we discuss how discipleship to Messiah Yeshua informs our choices and actions in everyday life. My name is Ben Frosted, and with me today is my wife, Daria. And our conversation today is going to be about why we homeschool. Right, so today we're going to talk, be talking about homeschooling, and that seems to be a more popular topic nowadays with the pandemic. A right. lot more parents are opting to homeschool their children. And so let's talk about our backgrounds a little bit. We have four children, and our two oldest are being homeschooled. Our oldest is in grade three, and our second oldest is starting kindergarten. And my husband, Ben, you were homeschooled yourself, right? That's right. We were homeschooling before it was cool. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I was homeschooled right from grade one all the way to grade 12. So uh, that was a big part of, uh, you know, who I was and our identity as a family growing up. Like, right. And did you enjoy being homeschooled? I really did. Yeah, I actually, uh, I, I never wanted to be public schooled. And I, I was, to be honest, I was kind of afraid of public schoolers and, and schools. And um, thankfully, I've gotten over it because I managed to marry a public schooler. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I was public schooled all the way through, like all the way through, like from kindergarten public school through high school and then I graduated and went to a very liberal university and got a teaching degree from there and taught in public school for four years so I know public school it was like you just kept wanting to go to school I was just like just like in public school a lot Um, however having said that I do have some experience in homeschooling, like as in I had a lot of homeschooling friends as a child. Right. So I mean, I mean that's that's a big question that uh, a lot of people would have, and I would have is you know as a public school teacher, what makes you want to homeschool your own kid instead of sending them to public school? Right. So my family, we were part of a very conservative home fellowship where. All the other families homeschooled except for my family. And I really liked what I saw in the homeschool families. I really liked how nice the children were. They were always really nice to me. And they seemed to have a really strong bond with each other as siblings. And there wasn't any of that cool kind of culture going on. And so that kind of gave me a desire in my heart from a very young age you know, the hope and dream that one day if when I grow up, if God blesses me with children, that I would like to homeschool my children. And I actually wished I could be homeschooled too. So what are some of the benefits of homeschooling versus public schooling? So what I like to think of it as there's as two categories of benefits, there's spiritual benefits, and academic benefits. And for us believers, Um, especially there are spiritual benefits to homeschooling. Right. So one of them is that the whole idea of the cool culture in public school, one of the Mm. biggest reasons for why I personally wanted to be homeschooled when I was a child is that I was bullied in public school a lot. My family, we were immigrants to Canada, and I was the only one who had a different faith than most of the other kids in school and I had an accent and a lot of things like that so I was bullied in school and it was really hard on me but 
thankfully, you know, I have very supportive parents growing up. And so thankfully that didn't affect me too much. Like I did sometimes come home crying, but for some students, it can be terrible. It can cause a lot of mental health issues. There are suicides. So just that whole concept of the cool culture in public school, that there's the people that are cool and those who are not cool and the peer pressure that goes on, you know, peer pressure mm-hmm. is a really big thing. Yeah, as, as homeschoolers, we're, we're kind of isolated from that, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, that's why I think a lot of people look at homeschoolers as being weird because we're less forced to conform to these norms of what what is cool and what is not and yeah. uh, less exposed to that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I really liked what I saw about homeschoolers too is that they seem to feel more confident in being themselves and confident in being weird or quirky like you know the homeschoolers that are really into juggling or Rubik's cubes or have some kind of unusual hobbies like you're not made <laughs> fun of as being a nerd or a geek you know and and you're not cool and that kind of thing right yeah yeah and listening to stories that you tell of your experience growing up it just sounds to me like public school was such a culture of peer pressure and social expectations um, being enforced by people who don't know what they're talking about Mm -hmm. right like yeah and so for our children we don't want to put them into a situation where there's so much peer pressure to do things that could be wrong. Right. Yeah, so there's peer pressure, but there's also indoctrination. You know, Mm -hmm. indoctrination coming down from the teachers, from the school board, and that a lot of public schools have values that go contrary to our biblical values. So, and the other thing is that there's a lot of indoctrination happening in schools too that are, that's coming from the teachers and the school boards as well mm-hmm. to the students where they're teaching a lot of things that go contrary to our biblical values that we want to teach at home. Right. And so do you really want to send your children to be taught in a setting like that for six hours a day and try to unteach those things at home? Right. So you know how the saying goes that if you send your children to school in Rome, don't be surprised if they come back as Romans. You know, would the early believers wanting want to be sending their children to be taught things, in, you know, in a pagan culture? And we have to ask that of ourselves. Do we want our children going to school and being taught things that we disagree with? We want to indoctrinate them in what we believe instead of someone else indoctrinating them in what they exactly. believe. Exactly. You know, and it's funny because speaking of indoctrination, when I was in teach, we called it teacher's college, but it was the faculty of education. And we had to listen to this really big, important lecture where they talked to us about the evils of indoctrination and how us, you know, who are aspiring teachers, we need to be very careful that we absolutely cannot use our position of authority to indoctrinate our students, Hmm. how that's very wrong and just like very, very important message, do not indoctrinate. And even then I thought, well, that's funny because you're already indoctrinating them but they're being indoctrinated to things that align with the public school values. You're just saying we can't indoctrinate them with other values. Right. Yeah. And, you know, also I, I think of the peers versus family orientation that in public school, children tend to align themselves with their peers much more than their family. Well, you think about it, it's kind of an artificial environment to be placed with people exactly your age uh, for how many years, right? Yeah. 
Like, that doesn't happen the rest of your life. Exactly. Very much so. Like, that a public school classroom, that grade level, the only thing the kids have in common is the year that they're born. Right. Yeah. And whereas in homeschooling, you can have more of a family orientation where you identify yourself with your family. In public school, I notice there's a lot of this attitude where your your siblings are not cool, especially if they're younger than you. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're in grade three and you have a little brother or sister in kindergarten, you don't play with them. They're not cool. You know, you grudgingly walk home with them. Whereas at homeschooling, you know, siblings are the best friends. And I see that so much in so many homeschooling families where the children are really friends with each other. And I see it in our own boys, like our two oldest boys have a three-year age difference between them. And at first, I was a little worried that three years is a big age gap because our oldest is eight and our second oldest is five. And I thought, oh, three years, like, are they really going to play together? But they play amazingly well. Those boys are best friends. They're just best buddies together. Mm-hmm. And and it's sad that in public school, you know, you would be discouraged to play with your siblings by your friends because you'd want, you know, children want to identify more with their friends than with their family. Right. Yeah. Just the social pressures and the peer pressure going on. Yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, that also lends itself to the objection of some who who look at homeschoolers as being unsocialized, right? Because they, they don't have that experience of spending years and years with people only their age, right? So uh, what would you say to that? Well, I think that homeschoolers are, in a sense, more socialized because they're spending time with people of varying ages with younger children. You know, they're learning how to interact with toddlers and younger children and even babies. And they're learning how to interact with children their own age. And they're learning how to interact with adults. Whereas the school environment where everyone is together with the same age group all the time, that's a very artificial environment. That's not real world. When you grow up and you go to 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 the workforce, you're not around people your age all the time. Right. So what are some other spiritual benefits? Well, the biggest one is that you get to direct your child's education. You can teach them biblical truths. You can teach them character education. You can teach them talking a lot about patience, talking a lot about other godly character traits. And you can even include other things too. Like if you want to teach your children Hebrew, you can learn Hebrew. You can learn musical instruments together. You can memorize Bible verses. You can really teach your children the vision and the goals that you have as a family. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, the verse, of course, that comes to mind, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9. The Shema, uh, I think, you know, really encapsulates this this theme of teaching our children, right? Hear, O Israel, mm-hmm. the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words which I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children talking of them when you sit at home, when you walk by the way, when you retire, when you arise, writing them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So there's this sense of uh, using every possible moment as a teaching opportunity for Mm -hmm. our children to instill God's word within them. And, uh, you know, it's loving God so much that you can't stop talking about him. 
Right. Right. You can't, you know, no matter what mm-hmm. you're doing, you yeah. wake up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, it's the, the first thing, the last thing you, mm-hmm. you're talking yeah, about. Your and, children can see you like praying throughout the day and applying scriptural truth to situations throughout the day. So, yeah. So a question though, um, is it fair necessarily to apply that passage strictly to homeschooling? <laughs> no, see, I, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like a lot of people use that Bible verse for homeschooling, but I don't think that necessarily means that learning can only happen in a home setting. Right. You know, right. I know that if we were to live, say, in a community where we all had the same beliefs and values, and we had a school set up in our community, I would be okay with children going to a school like that, even though they would be learning from other teachers and not necessarily from us. Yeah, these verses have actually been traditionally interpreted in Judaism as an imperative for parents to ensure that their child receives an education. Exactly. Um, And and, and actually, in particular, uh, Jewish tradition puts that onus on the father. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's a father's responsibility to ensure that his child receives an education. Um, right. and, and usually that was done by sending them to a school, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, in a lot of traditional Jewish communities and a lot of traditional Christian communities, there would be schools there. Right. Now, of course, we have to remember this verse is talking about teaching God's word. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not talking about teaching, reading, writing, or arithmetic. Right. But on the flip side, you know, you look at what was the impetus for, you know, the early uh, movements towards uh, school education. And that was so that you can teach your children to read God's word, Mm -hmm. right? What was it that made people want their kids to learn how to read? It was so that they could read the Bible. Mm -hmm. So I think as much as sometimes we like to separate academic and spiritual pursuits, and there is a distinction there, Mm -hmm. but at the the same time, I think they're meant to work together, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, academic pursuits are meant to serve an end Mm -hmm. uh, towards spiritual pursuits as well. Mm -hmm. So that's a nice segue into the second category of benefits. So what, what are some of the academic benefits for homeschooling? Okay, well, um, so there's this guy named Brian Ray who has a PhD and he does a lot of research into specifically into home education and statistics. And he's discovered that home educated students typically score above average on SAT and ACT tests that colleges consider for admissions and homeschool students are increasingly being actively recruited by colleges. So a lot of the research shows that homeschoolers are doing very well academically, even better mm. than overall, like overall general, general as a generalization, they're scoring higher than most public school students. Right. You know, and I've noticed, here's a little observation I've had is that I'm in several Facebook groups for homeschooling right now. And since the pandemic, there's been like almost every day, there's been people joining these groups saying, I'm new to homeschooling, I'm starting to homeschool, you know, where do where do I start? What do I do? And oftentimes I see posts where people say things like this. This is very common. They will post and say something. So I'm new to homeschooling. I've picked such and such a curriculum and my child is in grade seven and I did the placement test for them and they scored at grade three or grade four. Oh wow. no, what do I do? And 
of course, most parents, you know, encourage them to just go at the level that they score at because it's just a number and maybe they are behind on some things but ahead in other things and maybe they can you can move faster and do more than one level in a year but this is very common a very common concern a very common post is that so many parents who are pulling their children out of public school and put them in placement tests for homeschooling material find that they're scoring quite a bit below where they where they think they should be and they're surprised Right. Yeah. Right. So the public schools are not teaching at the same level. Yeah. That, and it that seems especially are... like with grammar, you know, that a lot of these parents I've noticed say, my child could read the word lists really well, but they didn't understand any of the grammar terms. Right. And that's because it seems like public schools are not teaching grammar like they used to. So you see that in language arts and Susan Weisbauer, she was a homeschool mom and she's written a lot of homeschool curriculum and she has also taught in college and universities and she wrote too that she would be shocked at the poor writing skills of these new university students. So you see that in in language arts, but you also see that in math, like in Canada, a lot of provinces use the curriculum called Math Makes Sense and there's been a lot of backlash about it that it's just not teaching students the math that they should know they're not learning facts it's a very new approach to math that is not yielding very good results and so i was looking into that a little bit and i saw this news article from the vancouver sun about students using math makes sense it says that sixth graders are using their fingers for simple addition eighth graders are unable to comprehend single digit multiplication at high school, kids are completely overwhelmed by algebra algorithms and many don't understand geometry or pre-calculus. And that using pencil and paper and practicing daily is still the most effective method for kids to learn math, yet these successful methods are being ignored and these new discovery-based math methodology is being pushed, which is unfortunately yielding children who don't learn their math very well. And another thing too I've noticed, you know, in the academic realm is that there's something else I noticed when I was teaching in school, but I didn't really know how to explain it, how to put my finger on it. And then I read Susan Weisbauer's book about the well-trained mind, and she's really into classical education. And in classical education, one of the things about it is that those early elementary school years, like grades one, two, and three, the point of those years is that you're really supposed to give your children a lot of knowledge about subject matter. So their brains are kind of like a sponge and they absorb so much information and they don't know a lot about the world yet, right? So this is a time where you need to teach them the things. And so in homeschooling, you know, when we learn social studies, we learn a lot of facts. We learn history, we look at maps, we learn about places and things that happened. Whereas in public school, what's happened is the social studies has been taken over by kind of airy-fairy kind of goals. So for an example of that, I'll just read to you something from our province's social studies goals for grade one. Discuss cultural diversity in the family and classroom, including exploration of similarities and differences. Hmm. Assess ways in which relationships help to meet human needs. Describe kinship patterns of the past and present and describe according to traditional teachings, e.g. medicine wheel teachings. 
So you see what I mean? Like a lot of it is kind of like airy fairy. And at that age, they need to be learning it's, it's jumping concrete into, facts. It's jumping into the task of evaluation and, right. and uh, weighing things it's, and debating. and. It's pulling out from the student. It's like, you tell me what you think about this. And when, whereas at that age, they don't have a lot of experience of the world. So they right. should be learning. And then as they get older, then they can analyze and have opinions about things. Like one of these, another one of these um, social studies goals is analyze the creation and distribution of wealth in community studied. <laughs> and so I wonder if, you know, there could be some Marxist leanings in some of these teachings, depending on, on the teacher too. But right. that's, you know, that's something to discuss at a different level. You know, at younger ages, they should be learning what... What has happened? What is what's happened in history? You know, learning about countries in the world, learning about things that happened in the past. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, it seems like there's some methodological barriers. Yeah. Here that it's just changed so much from how traditional school used to be. Right. And so, as homeschoolers, we can we can teach our children in a way that uh, makes more sense, that instills mm -hmm. facts into them. So, okay, but here's a. Here, here's a question because, you know, obviously, so there are statistics that homeschoolers generally do better academically than public schoolers. But obviously, that doesn't mean that all homeschoolers are brilliant prodigies who are right. going to, you know, go on and become rocket scientists. They are generalizations. Right. So, you know, and we all know of that homeschooler who maybe it makes homeschoolers look bad right um so what do you do if your kids are not rocket scientists right like um what do you do if you have a child who's struggling in certain areas right. what do you do if if uh, your children uh don't get concepts really fast or maybe their scores aren't above average or whatever it may be well that's the same for public school like not everybody from public school is a rocket scientist right and do we all say, oh, we all know that one kid that makes public schools look bad? You know, how come there aren't stereotypes like that? There's right. stereotypes about if you see a homeschooler that maybe you don't like something about them, then, you know, you can stereotype homeschoolers. But if we see public schoolers, oh, look, that public schooler makes public schooling look bad. Right. Yeah. And I guess the point is that uh, with homeschooling, you can cater to those needs. You can yes. adjust your educational exactly. program to be where the child yeah, is. Yeah, that's one of the beauties of homeschooling is that you can you can really go with your child's interests, with your family's interests, you can go with their style of learning, you know, because not every child has the same style of learning. And it helps both the gifted student and the struggling student. Right. Hey, when I was in the public school classroom, I had a boy in my grade four or five class who was just a brilliant math whiz. Like he understood everything you taught the first time. Actually, I don't think I ever had to teach him anything in math because he just knew it right away. And so wow. he, he just got it like, and he would get 100% on every test and he would do his math in like a few minutes and be done and it's perfect and he would be bored the rest of the math class and be just reading a book or something like that <laughs> and I thought you know he could be doing math that's a few levels ahead instead of this grade four math right. 
But when I went and I asked, you know, the staff about that, they said, no, you have to teach him only the grade level math, Hmm. even if he's bored, even if he knows it already. So that wasn't really helping him. And at the same time, you know, I had another student in that class who was really struggling with math, who was having such a hard time understanding it and just feeling swamped and in the grade four math. And, you know, they probably missed concepts taught earlier on and they should probably be a level or two below to be able to grasp those earlier concepts. Right. But they still had to be in that grade four class, even though it was over their head. And at homeschooling, you can cater to your child's needs if they're gifted or if they're struggling. You can reach them where they're at. You can teach them at the level that they're at. Yeah. And there also isn't that peer pressure too, that if someone's struggling or if they're not doing well, there isn't the peer pressure of, you know, being embarrassed if you're not doing well and that kind of thing because... Because you're always the best in your class. Exactly. (laughs) Right. So, yeah, you can overemphasize the academic aspect of homeschooling uh, just like you can overemphasize the problems with the conventional school experience. And I think uh, too much on either side can be unhealthy. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about the objection that some people have to homeschooling? Uh, the idea that we should be sending our kids to school so that they can be salt and light. Uh, that if all believers were homeschooling, then there would be no believers left in public schools to be a light to other school children. Hmm. Well, I think that's a good point. But I think that young children are not the time and place to be sending them out as missionaries into a public school environment. You know, they're learning. These are their formative years. The point of this time is for is to teach them to walk in the ways of the Lord. And they're like these little delicate plants that you want to nurture and keep in a safe environment before exposing them to the elements. You know, when they get older, then you can plant them outside. But at the beginning, you want to keep them indoors or in a greenhouse. It's a very impressionable and vulnerable time of their lives. And do we really want to send them out as the front guard of the spiritual battle that's being waged in our world. Right. Our responsibility as parents is to be teaching them and putting into their life. Right. And the other sad thing about it is that, unfortunately, it seems like it's not working. Yeah. You know, it seems like there's more people falling away from their faith. And so are the Christian kids going to influence the non-Christian kids at school or... Or the other way around. Is there too much of a risk of them being influenced the other way? Yeah. So one other thing, you know, it's nice and good for someone like you who's a trained teacher (laughs) to be pro-homeschooling. But what about all the parents out there who are not teachers, right? What if I'm not a teacher and I, I feel like I don't know how to teach my kids. I'm not competent to do that. I'm not uh, uh, an expert in all these things. Well, you know what you are an expert in is your own children. Hmm. And 
you know your children best and you love your children, right? And statistically, homeschool students score above average on achievement tests regardless of their parents' level of formal education or their family's household income. And that's taken from Brian Ray's studies on it. And so it doesn't seem to affect the outcome of homeschooling. And, you know, I've heard a lot of homeschool parents say that they felt that at the beginning of their homeschool journey that they felt challenged by that, like, oh, I don't really know what I'm doing. But you know what? They end up doing a really great job with their kids. And anyone can homeschool. You know your child best. There's so many resources to choose from. And there are a lot of support groups in most areas that are really great. And God made you the parent for your children and he made those children for you. So I think to sum up, as followers of Yeshua who are homeschooling our children, our primary reason should be to see our faith passed on to the next generation. Uh, I mean, that should be our, our deepest desire as parents is to see them take up this mantle of faith and make it their own. And we see that theme come up over and over again throughout Scripture. And, you know, the verses we just read in Deuteronomy, but also in other places, just this this idea of instilling in our children uh, a knowledge of God and a, uh, a fear of him, instilling in him uh, the memory, instilling in them the memory of what God has done in the past. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even looking at uh, the Passover and, and things like that, how, you know, God gives these symbols and and things to do that will instill within your children uh, a remembrance and and spark questions and help them to make their faith real. And so homeschooling is just one small part of that. Uh, but I do believe it's an important part, mm-hmm. right? I believe that as followers of Yeshua, to build healthy families and to build mm-hmm. healthy communities that homeschooling is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. Yes, because aren't our children our biggest investment in life? Right. And I was reading one time in this Jewish parenting book that was from a Jewish perspective. And the author wrote, this was by, the author was Wendy Mogul. And she wrote about what is the purpose of having children? And from a Jewish perspective, she said that The point of having children is that after we are gone, that there would be people who would walk with God Mm. when we are gone. Yeah. And, you know, this also, it reminds me of song lyrics from a song that we would actually sing in my old home fellowship group. And it goes like this. What do I want for my children? Do I seek for them worldwide fame? Do I want their lives to be just like a game? Is it power and wisdom and might? Do I want for them untold blessings? Do I want everything to go just right? I'll tell you what I want for my children. A heart full of peace from above. A life full of serving others. A heart of patience and love. I want them to know my Savior, to be free from the power of sin. This is what I want for my children. I want them to walk with Him. I want them to be like him. Mm-hmm. That's good. 
Well, with that, we will wrap up our conversation for this time. The Segula Discussion Podcast is brought to you by segula.net. Our goal is to cast a vision for a healthy and mature Messianic Torah movement and deal with issues that affect our everyday lives as disciples of Yeshua. If you have suggestions for topics that we should discuss on this show, send us an email at feedback at segula.net. Whether you are Messianic, Christian, Torah observant, or whatever lingo you prefer, we hope this conversation has been a blessing to you, and together may we all become a glorious people in Messiah. Thank you.